Hi, I'm Harriet Smith and welcome back to Dietitian Cafe, where we discuss the world of nutrition and dietetics. In this episode, we'll be talking about the role of dietitian influences and considerations for healthcare professionals who work with brands, as well as the importance of supporting one another and lifting each other up within the profession. I'm delighted to be joined by registered dietitian Nicola ludlin Rain, better known as Nick's Nutrition on social media. Nick is a registered dietitian with over 10 years of clinical experience working for the NHS as well as privately. She specialises in weight management, diabetes, bariatric surgery and maternal obesity. Nick is a media-friendly dietitian, regularly featuring on TV and in the media. You may well have spotted her on the BBC Breakfast Sofa. Online, Nick is a well-known nutrition, health and fitness influencer, as well as an award-winning blogger. She shares content to over 100,000 followers across her social media platforms. Nick regularly speaks at events and she's worked with some of the biggest brands in the food industry. And she's often asked to provide quotes to tabloids, magazines and health websites. Hello, Nick. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Harriet. So let's dive straight on in and find out what has led to you becoming a dietitian, Nick. Yeah, so I wasn't someone who um, always wanted to be a dietitian. In fact, I didn't even know what a dietitian was until I was halfway through my BSc honours in sports science at Loughborough. Um, I always knew that I loved understanding how the body worked. I loved working with people. I loved being organised. And then I also loved understanding the power of food. So at the time I had really bad spots and I would cut out lots of magazines articles to do with food and skin. And when I went to see a careers advisor, she said, well, there's this free course to be a dietitian. And I heard the word free and went along, shadowed a few dietitians, thought, I can do this job, you know, eat three healthy balanced meals a day and um, had no intention of becoming an NHS dietitian. I just wanted this free, highly regarded degree. Um, and I went along, I did my placement and then the last placement, placement C at Leeds, I just fell in love with a job and it was thanks to a really good manager and I didn't have a very good B placement experience and they just took me on board and they were like, you know, wipe the slate clean and I just flourished and they wanted to offer me a job and in the end I, I actually got a job somewhere else but that was it really. And then I became a band five NHS rotational dietitian for nearly three years and then specialized um, in 2012. Wow. So what a journey. And um, what were your, what were your first um, experiences of working when you qualified as a dietitian? So I loved being a band five. It was great because I had two clinics a week, which were like general. I saw everyone and anyone. I had a variety of different wards from respiratory, cardiac, cancer. And then I also did things like pulmonary rehab talks. So it was really varied. And I love the fact that I got to understand the medical side of things, disease states, medications. So when then I did specialize in predominantly outpatients and weight management, Let's say I was in a, a diabetes clinic and all of a sudden this person had COPD, they're on steroids. I immediately knew the side effect of steroids and I knew what COPD was. So for me, that grounding in a hospital, even though I vowed I would never work in a hospital because I, in inverted commas, hate hospitals, it was the best start and, and I loved it. And I loved the fact that when you work as a band five in a hospital, you come back to base after every morning and every afternoon and you get to discuss patients. Whereas if you're out and about working in outpatients, you might not have that amount of support um, that I think that you do as an inpatient dietitian. 
So what I'm hearing is that the experiences and knowledge that you gain as, as a band five is invaluable for your later career. I know that you do a lot of work with other um, nutrition and dietetic graduates, people who are starting out in their career, and they're often um, perhaps quite envious of this glitzy glam lifestyle of influencers. You're obviously a very well-known dietitian influencer. Do you think that um, that NHS experience is important for them to get before they go off and do all these other exciting things? I think, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, because I wouldn't be who I am today with my knowledge and my experience without that grounding. And I think I get to work with a lot of quite high profile brands because of what I do clinically. So I still I've worked for NHS now for over 10 years. I work for a local private hospital. So because of that, that gives you credibility and knowledge then to be able to work freelance. And obviously, so people see me on BBC Breakfast, but that's a like a 0.1% of my job. And actually work for the BBC tends to be unpaid. So it's a part of a job that I do for free because I love it and it's a little bit different, but it's definitely not a main source of income. Um, it, it can be for some people, but not for the majority. I want to ask you about specialising because you talked about the breadth of experience you had as a band five when you were quite junior in your position. Now you specialise in obesity, bariatrics, diabetes. Um, I, there's a bit of a, a bit of a for and against argument of specialising, particularly in private practice. What what are your views on this? So I always knew I always had an interest in weight management. So when I was training to be a dietitian, I worked for a company called More Life, which is a children's weight management. And I actually my goal was to work for them. So once I got this degree in dietetics, I wanted to work for them. Anyway, changed my mind. Um, but I think it is good for people to specialize because there is so much to know. And so privately, I don't see clients one-to-one -one from home or virtually. I work in a private hospital in the area of bariatrics, and it's the same surgeons, NHS and privately. So that really links. And you asked me a bariatric question, like nine times out of 10, I should be able to answer it. You asked me a question on food allergies, I'd probably be able to give you a roundabout answer and point you in the right direction. But that is why I love dietetics because there's so many different avenues and I've got so many different colleagues that I go to when I, when I want additional support. Um, even IBS, I'd say I've got really good knowledge base, but I am not up to scratch on, for example, the latest in the FODMAP diet. Um, so that's why I love dietetics. And I think it is really good to specialize once you've got that overall grounding. Definitely. And you talked um, passionately about how much uh, you love the profession, how much you enjoy being a dietitian. But it has been a difficult year for you this year, hasn't it? And you've talked about this on your social media. In particular, there was a recent issue regarding several dietitians, yourself included, being reported by journalists to the HCPC because of your high profile brand work. Is that something that you're happy to talk about? And, and if so, could you share your experiences of what happened? Yeah, of course. I think that this is probably every dietitian's worst nightmare to be reported to the HCPC and then to potentially have, have a tribunal and other things in front of you. So in March, there was a piece in the Daily Mail written by a journalist who this journalist isn't keen on healthcare professionals, dietitians included, working with brands. The piece was mainly around doctors um, and it had um, it was a double page spread in the Daily Mail. It was also published online. And then towards the end of the article, she also threw in um, a few names of dietitians. So like you said, me included. And she basically said, you know, Nicola has worked with X, Y and Z. 
The issue is that the HCPC allows you to work with brands, allows healthcare professionals to work with brands. So at the time I was thinking, don't think I've done anything wrong, haven't broken any rules. I abide by the ASA guidelines. It was though very, very long, long and drawn out. So we had these emails saying, um, can you provide us details with your management and with any any people who who proofread your posts? And then I basically, it was just a matter of months ago, had to justify my post. And then I got an email saying, thank you, we've taken it into account. And you know what? The case has been thrown out. So the case was thrown out before it even got to the next step. It was just unfortunate that it nearly took the entire year to get to that point. So um, I feel a lot, a lot stronger though now having been through it and we've got more clarity from the BDA from the HCPC the BDA is now um, in the process of producing guidelines for brand work and online brand work which is really good so I always think a lot comes from it and like this isn't the first time that something like this has happened to me back in 2013 when I started my blog back in 2012. So a year in, a couple of dietitians decided to report me, report me in inverted commas to the BDA, saying that my blog um, mentioned brands and it was too heavily focused on protein. At the time, I was like distraught and a couple of people from the BDA, it was very, very new blogging. They almost made out like I needed to stop blogging. So what I did was... I looked into the notion of having a disclaimer page, which was really new at the time, spent time writing it, sent my blog to the HCPC because my mum at the time was like, Nick, the BDA at the trade union, they're not, they're, they're not the people who regulate you. So I sent it to the HCPC. Within 24 hours, I got a reply back saying, you haven't done anything wrong. Great disclaimer page. So I then said to the, to the BDA and the BDA since then has changed a lot. Now they are extremely supportive and I am very grateful to how, how the BDA have acted and supported the dietitians going through the HCPC process this year. Back in 2013, though, things were a little bit different and I don't think I had as much support as I would have liked. However, everything's new and people were scared. People didn't know what the online online marketplace was about um so i feel like i've grown a lot since 2013 and then thanks to this year i've learned a lot as well so let's talk a little bit about your considerations when you decide whether or not to work with a brand i i know you get approached you know every day you probably get approached by lots of different food nutrition brands so can you can you talk us through how you decide whether or not to work with them yes i think the first thing is is this something that fits within the NHS healthy eating guidelines, the Eat Well Guide? Is it something that I talk about on a day-to-day -day basis with my patients? If the answer is yes, I'll move to the next step. Okay, is this something that I'm personally like really passionate about? And if the answer is yes and yes, I will make sure that it abides by the HCPC guidelines. I work with the ASA guidelines. Um, I'm happy that the brand is happy for their product to fit within a healthy balanced diet and you have to say that within a post and then yeah then then it gets the the go ahead i say nine times out of ten i decline working with brands um and sometimes we think that a brand's right to work with and then actually it transpires that perhaps their messaging isn't quite right so we decline it so if it's a brand that i would talk about anyway day to day then yes i love working with brands who i feel want to make people's lives healthier and easier 
Um, and I'm all about supporting small businesses as well. And I think it's worth pointing out that dietitians and other health professionals, we are tightly regulated with what we can and can't say about a food product or a supplement, um, particularly the EFSA food health and nutrition claims. And that's something we're going to be covering in a subsequent podcast episode. Um, just going back to what you said, Nick, about um, this sort of telltale nature, perhaps in the profession, maybe it was more historically than, than today. Um, if a dietitian was to have a concern about another health professional working with a brand, what do you think would be the best practice for dealing with those concerns? Yeah, so that's an interesting question because a few weeks ago, I got to see the draft guidance from the BDA of working with brands. And one of the statements in is it what in it was, if you have concerns about a dietitian's practice, report them to the relevant body, i.e. HCPC, ASA, Advertising Standards Agency. And I wrote back saying, I don't think that that should be in there. If you've got a problem with the dietitian's practice or how they're perceived online, why not approach them? Approach them as a peer rather than trying to take them down or report them. Because what I've gone through the last few months has been horrendous and it's been completely unnecessary because I didn't break any rules. So if a dietitian is knowingly breaking the rules and you've given them a warning and they haven't changed their practice and they are breaking HCPC guidance or they're putting patients' lives and health at risk, of course, that's a case where you might want to consider reporting someone. If it's because they've missed out an ad or the ad is in the wrong place or you don't think they should be promoting that food product, then why not just start an open conversation because you might learn and also you might cause that dietitian to reflect. I've done a lot of reflecting. Um, I think I think the dietetic profession is divided. I think there's a lot of really supportive dietitians, but there's still a lot of, I don't know what it's caused by, but a lot of conflict. So I've heard a few things in recent weeks where it's almost, it's a little bit like bitchiness. And I don't know if it's because the dietetic profession is predominantly female, but I'm, I think that we are moving forward and trying to create a more collaborative, supportive nature. It's not dietitians against dietitians. It's dietitians supporting dietitians. And we should be building each other up and learning from each other rather than trying to take people down and make digs at people. Definitely. And we're going to come back to that point that you made about building a supportive space for, for dietitians. Um, just before we, we talk about that, I wanted to get your thoughts on healthcare professionals dietitians who think that perhaps other dietitians shouldn't work food industry and with brands what are your thoughts on that i think you need regulated dietitians working with brands whether it be um, in-house or front of house because you need brands to work in an evidence-based manner and to dispel evidence-based messages without dietitians these brands will work with people they'll go elsewhere. They'll go to perhaps nutritionists without as tightly regulated qualifications. So why not use us and make sure that, that the messaging is, is correct and evidence-based and, and regulated? So uh, as, as a profession, we definitely need to be working with brands um, just like within the guidance and making sure that you are happy with all the, the content that, that you're putting out. Another controversial area, there's been a lot of debate on social media about this recently. Should healthcare professionals and influencers be, um, you know, showing their body and beauty and, and talking about personal matters on social media? What do you think? 
Yes, that's really interesting. So I've always had the view that if you are online as a healthcare professional, then you should maintain some dignity and professionalism. And if your post was printed out and put it up in your clinic room, if you would be unhappy with that post, then maybe think twice before putting it online because patients no doubt will be following you. So I think, would you be happy for your patients to see that post? Would you be happy for your managers to see that post? I think if you want to talk, talk about personal matters, I think that's fine. As human be as as dietitians, we're human beings. Um, I've got so I've got two uh, two accounts: Nick's Nutrition, which is predominantly all about food, and then I've got my Mummy Nutrition, which is mainly about my life bringing up um, Henry as a toddler. And I keep the two accounts very separate. And when you go on the page, you know immediately what you're going to get: my personal life um, as a mummy. There isn't any embarrassing content. I think that's something that I've thought long and hard about, about we now don't put my toddler's face online because I'm thinking about his future and what happens if a future employer Googles, Googles his name, what comes up? So you should be thinking, if you Google your name, what comes up? And if an image of you comes up in a bikini and you prefer it not to, then maybe take it down. If though you're, you're proud and you're happy, I think that's fine. But I personally like to keep it on the professional side. Definitely. Um, I just want to now go back to the point you made earlier about um, building this supportive space for nutrition professionals. Um, Nick, Nick and I have had quite a few conversations in the past. We both work in freelance and have our own businesses. And that, a few years ago, that was actually quite um, quite out there compared to the traditional dietetic route of going to the NHS or, or private practice. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about NutriTribe and this community that you've built to support other people who are perhaps doing different things? Yeah, so me and Ro, dietitian Ro, Ro Huntress, um, we first met in 2013 in the NHS and we, we really hit it off. We created 12-week weight loss groups. We were really supportive of each other and me and Ro have kind of supported each other throughout our career. So when it came to well, a few years ago, Ro joined Instagram and then Ro decided to, that she had so much work on she, needs, she needed support. So she spoke to the BDA and she got herself an intern who is someone who wants to learn the business, wants to be paid for doing um, jobs to do with nutrition and you work alongside each other. I heard about this and I was like, Ro, this is genius. I am drowning in work. I would love to support another person. I would have loved to have been an intern when I was younger. Um, what do I do? So Ro helped me to get my first intern and then my second intern. And then a few months ago, we decided that we were going to do an Instagram live on Ro's page. And it was so like we were overwhelmed with how many people joined in. Um, and it was basically all about how to um, stand out from the crowd in the world of dietetics, how to gain experience. Because me and Ro have both done a lot of additional things. Like we've, we've done our master's, we've published a paper. And we wanted to talk about all of these extra little things if you wanted to succeed in the world of dietetics. So off the back of that, we we basically said that we have we're a member of certain um like pods on instagram so where we direct message each other um me row a few other dietitians for support so if for example a brand wants to work with, work with us we might go to that pod and say guys what do you think about this what do you think about this instagram post you can only have about 20 members i think 
And we soon realized that we had all of these people who'd watched this Instagram live that wanted somewhere to go. So we created the Nutri Tribe on Facebook. It's now, I think, got over 800 members. It's only a few months old. And it's a place where people can go to support each other. We've got an amazing monthly newsletter, which is written by a new person every three months. We've had um, Antonia and Naveen and um, I think it's Elisa has just taken over it. Every month we share key dates, for example, if it's National Ice Cream Day, key webinar dates. And within the Nutri Tribe, there are different smaller tribes. For example, I'm in a Leeds tribe and we had a meetup when we could have a meetup. So it's just a, a place to share knowledge. And I know that you're in it as well, Harriet. So yeah, if you want more support, join the Nutri Tribe on Facebook, join our newsletter. And if you want an internship, then all opportunities um, are posted on there as well. Yeah, and I would second that. The Nutri Tribe is a great community, and actually, I found um, interns and freelancers to help within my business through posting in the Nutri Tribe group. So, thank you very much for setting that up. Um, I wanted to go back to what you were talking about earlier about social media and your blog. Can you can you step back a few years and tell us how did that all evolve and come about? Yeah, so back in the day, so two thousand and like ten, maybe I used to be um, an avid beauty blog reader and YouTube watcher, and I'm always someone who needs a project on the go. So when I qualified as a dietitian in two thousand nine, after about a year, I started getting itchy feet, and I thought, oh my god, what can I do next? Decided to do a master's part time. And then I got that paper published. And then when that paper was published, I was like, oh my God, what do I do on an evening and weekend now? And because I've been reading all of these beauty blogs, I felt like I wanted to give something back. And there was so much nutrition nonsense online at the time. There was only a handful of dietitians blogging. I think like Nutrition Rocks was one of them, Halla, there was Priya Tu, um, Dietitian UK. And so I basically joined a blog spot domain, Nick's Nutrition. I called it Nick's Nutrition because when I used to give free advice to my friends, I saved it in a folder called Nick's Nutrition. That's probably not very GDPR compliant. Is, is it GDPR? GDPR, yeah. Yeah, GDPR compliant. But anyway, that's gone. So yeah, and it just evolved. I then moved to WordPress, bought the proper nicksnutrition.com domain, and I worked all the time, on an evening, on a weekend, for no money. I didn't even see it as work. It was just my hobby for about a year, year and a half. And then all of a sudden, these paid opportunities started coming in, like reviewing a food blender. And I used to do a lot on my blog, a lot on YouTube, on Twitter, like Twitter was really taking off. I use Twitter more in a professional capacity now, not so much sharing recipes. And then I finally joined Instagram and I only joined Instagram because my favorite YouTuber, I've forgotten her name now, but she used to talk all about makeup basically joined. So I joined it and then it's just gradually taken off and then set up Mummy Nutrition a couple of years ago. And that's really taken off with regards to a following. And I love the supportive like Mummy Blogger community. And that's just where, where I am now. So do you think that the social media sort of complements the clinical work? Is it predominantly patients that follow you? Is it other health professionals, general public, or is it a mix? Yeah, I definitely think it's a mix. And the reason why I love social media, and I never knew that you, that you could make money from social media at the start, but the reason why I love it is that it connected me with people who wouldn't ordinarily access the NHS. 
So, and it's almost like the worried well are are on Instagram, but I love helping people with questions. Like I'd love it if my friends came to me with a list of 10 questions because it'd be a break from the clinic where where perhaps the GP would refer into it and the patient didn't really want to be there. So for me, it was a refreshing change. Um, It's like, it's a creative outlet. And I think student dietitians definitely follow me. Some patients do find my page and follow me. Of course, I've signed things at work where I do not talk about my blog. Uh, uh, Some of my colleagues do talk about it. And some patients come in saying, oh, I found you online, Um, which is fine. And I just, I briefly brush over it. Um, And then you get, yeah, the, the lay person who just wants to improve their health know what what is healthy eating try and cut through all the nutrition nonsense and complication that's out there so yeah i i really i love it and i love the variety that that the job offers how do you decide what content to put out there because it must be quite time consuming i imagine yeah and i must admit that, that when i fell pregnant in 2018 nick's nutrition almost died because i was so tired i just got so despondent it I was working full-time for the NHS. I was working one day a week, so on an evening and on a Saturday at my private hospital. I was trying to do my freelance work, writing articles, and I just didn't have any energy or motivation. However, it's been picked up thanks to my intern. So my now intern, Louisa, is amazing. And I signed with an agent in March. So having my manager now is amazing. So my manager basically helps almost field work and they work with a lot of doctors as well. So they know what I will and won't work with. And it's, it's so refreshing. So now I don't even speak, I don't speak to brands. I don't deal with the brand side of things anymore. Um, I just basically I'm involved in the content creation. So now with regarding content in the last few weeks, I've just only now got a spreadsheet. So it's like an Excel working doc. My management can see it. I can see it. My intern sees it. And we basically, we plan a month ahead, um, two or three posts a week, mummy nutrition, Nick's nutrition. And I just alternate between like recipes and whatever's topical, or let's say we've watched um, a webinar recently. So we'll do a write-up of a webinar. So I basically, um, my intern, I pay for her CPD as well. So I might pay her to watch a webinar and write a summary of it. And then if it's one that I'm interested in, I will watch it as well. And then she will help to create a post around it. That's really interesting that you mentioned you've got an agent on board now. It it might not be something that lots of dietitians are too familiar with. Can you just tell us about um, how that arrangement works? Yeah, so basically having a manager, and I know a few dietitians now who've got managers, um, they basically um, will... Let's say if a company approaches me, I will forward the email to them and they will do all of the discussions and check that I'm happy. Um, They come up with a contract and then they obviously take a fee of of the budget and they work with lots of different people. Um, I'm just very lucky that my agent works with a lot of doctors, like I said, so they have an understanding of what healthcare professionals can and can't say Um, the dietitians who I who I speak with who've also got management love it because before so last up until last year so 2012 to 2019 like I felt so alone all I had was me myself and I I was doing emails every single night all throughout the day working with brands I was then doing the content side of it I didn't have anyone to bounce ideas off and now all of a sudden this year I've got my management who like, I, yeah, like I, I'm, an account, I'm accountable to and 
I can bounce ideas off them. And then I've got my intern who I can like text and email. So it's, it's definitely really good. So I, I definitely recommend it. And I have recommended it to other dietitians who are in a similar position, especially dietitians who've got books out. It's very helpful to have management. Yeah, I think building that supportive team around you, especially when you work in private practice or freelance, is incredibly important because ultimately that's one of the main benefits of working in a team in the NHS, isn't it? Having people to support you. Um, but the NutriTribe community, of course, is a way of supporting one another as well. Yes. And I think it's all about just having your own mini tribe. So the Nutri Tribe is there to, to, to meet other people and then to form your own mini tribe of, you know, say like, you know, 10 to 15 dietitians. And if you get the right people, it's it's amazing. And, you know, like even like me and you speaking, it's about understanding that you're not an expert in everything. And a second opinion is always good because I'm an activist. I'm quite impulsive. So I almost need people to kind of like help me to reflect and to think about things from other points of view, which I don't often do. I just go, oh my God, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So that's why I think it's really good. I think you need that energy though um, in freelance to succeed. You have to be a go-getter, which you clearly are. Do you have any advice, Nick, to fellow nutrition professionals or perhaps student dietitians or graduate dietitians who are aspiring to achieve what you've achieved? What can they do to get there? So definitely join the NutriTribe because you're amongst other peers who are in the exact same boat as you. They want to be successful in their profession. And then secondly, look to be an intern. So this is what I wish that I had. So an intern is basically you work alongside a more experienced dietitian, um, doing doing new, new nutrition roles and you get to learn so much about the industry and also i think thirdly just get on social media whether it's like twitter linkedin instagram and maybe follow things like journalists if journalists want that's how i think i really started um i can't remember a name now but in 2012 i used to give um free quotes and articles to sainsbury's magazine and it all just spiraled i think from there so it's just trying to get your name out but also just work really hard like i worked so hard and i still work so hard for the nhs for my private hospital when i was doing my msc and it's just all about adding different strings to your bow you know i worked for more life so add lots of strings to your bow just put yourself out there and team up for support i think is is my advice and for people wanting a dietetic internship how do they go about trying to secure one do you have any advice Yes, yeah, so I think, I mean, within the NutriTribe Facebook, if you just put it out there, because, so the NutriTribe is made up of um, more experienced dietitians who have got internships to offer, but also new grads who want to succeed. And at first, the NutriTribe was all about just kind of supporting new grads and me and Ro were kind of like helping to do everything. And then we thought, do you know what? We need other dietitians like us to support. So as soon as we see that somebody wants an internship, we will put it out to our mini pods and say, you know, does anyone want an intern? And also Instagram stories. I think that's how Ro got hers. Ro went on her Instagram stories and said, you know, I want an intern. She had so many applications. That's how I got my first intern. And then my second one was a work colleague who Ro works with. So yeah, I think it's just about putting yourself out there, join the new tribe, put it out there. And the dietitians who are in the tribe will then put the, feel, put the feelers out um, and try and get you a position. 
Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I'd also say um, on top of that, reach out to, to dietitians or professionals that you're interested in working with. I know that at HRS we get emails all the time. Um, and if you are sending an email, try to do a bit of background research perhaps and actually look at the individual or company, get, get to grips with what they offer. And then in that e first email, perhaps explain how you think you can bring value to what they're offering. Um, and make sure that your cover letter and your CV like is good. Um, definitely. And remember that interns, internships should be paid. So there's a difference between being a volunteer and paid work. So I know dietitians who take on both. So a volunteer role is more, it's very, very informal. There's no deadlines. Um, you might be asked to write a blog post on X, Y, or Z. You can get it published online with your name. Whereas an intern it might have deadlines. There should be a contract. It should be minimum wage at least. Um, and there should be something else involved. It's not just like a, a minimum wage job. It's that support as well. So like I said, so I, I, I invest in my intern's CPD. And I wouldn't say that my intern is an intern really now. She's more of like a, a nutrition assistant um, because we've been working together for so long. So like nearly a year now. Brilliant. Well, thank you for, for sharing that information, Nick. Just finally, um, how do you think our profession needs to, to change in order to move forward? What would your top tips be? How That's a tricky question. I think we need to look at what other, other professions are doing. And I think we need stronger links with the HCPC and better guidance. However, the BDA are on it. Because I think the main problem in our industry is the wooliness and the grayness and the fact that, you know, journalists, uh, uh, even the fact that a journalist thought that she could report me and others is wrong. So there does need to be clearer guidance out there. And maybe we need to put it out to the public as well um, so that we, so that the public have trust in us as a profession as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think when we chatted before, Nick, you talked about um, there always being room at the top. Can you expand on that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So I think, yeah, I really like that phrase. There's always room at the top. There is Maria Folio always always says um, the world needs that special gift that only you have. I used to massively doubt myself when I first started in the industry because there's a really successful dietitian in America called Joy Bauer or Boer. And I honestly thought, you know what, because Joy exists, like people don't need another joy and like another, like they don't need me. But then I realized that actually I can offer something different and when you support another dietitian, it doesn't mean that you will lose followers or people will think any less of you. Actually, people will think more of you. So I think it's about supporting each other. And when you support someone um, without them asking, if, say, they then have an, an opportunity, they might send it your way. So I do a lot of that as well. I pass collaborations on. Um, it's you know, like a, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. It's just about supporting each other um, and not having jealousy, not trying to bring people down, trying to perk them up um, and maybe offer them some advice rather than reporting them. And you talked earlier about dietetics being quite female orientated. Do you think that we could be doing more to kind of diversify the profession perhaps? 
I mean, that would be wonderful. I don't know why it is such a female-oriented profession. We, in Bradford, where I work for the NHS, we've got quite a lot of males, well, <laughs> um, relatively speaking, and the males add, they're brilliant. They What they add to the profession is amazing. Um, one of the, the band-aids is a male. So, yeah, I think they could do an awful lot just to try and diversify the profession. And your final point was don't judge a book by its cover, which I love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't judge a book by its cover. Because I think a, a lot of people, um, yeah, it's very easy to judge someone's Instagram page. Um, whereas if you actually know them, like, yeah, I know a lot of influencers with a very, very big following. And when you actually, and I hear what my friends say about them, but I actually know them as friends. And when you know them as people, you really, you know, they're just human beings. They might be extremely insecure, but they're just doing a job. Thank you. So before we finish, Nick, three quick fire questions for you. What would you say has been your, your biggest achievement um, professionally or personally, if you look back on things? Yeah, so I was thinking, oh my God, what is it? Is it my toddler? Is it my education? Do you know what? It's my job balance that what I've got right now. Um, I worked for the NHS for 10 years. I now work for the NHS part-time. I work for my private hospital part-time and I work freelance, which is for me. And so basically I love the job that I've created. I never set out to create this job, but I love the freedom and I love yeah, the learning and I love the fact that I've published a paper. So it's where I am right now with my work-life balance. It's only taken me like 11, 12 years but I love what I have right now. So I'm extremely happy. And especially with the management side and the internships. Um, finally, yeah, I'm really happy. Good. And I presume that work-life balance means you get to spend more time with your husband and Henry, which must be nice. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And for the first time ever, I actually get to spend a full Monday with my toddler, not having to worry about things because things are being taken care of and I can work on it on a Tuesday. So it's great. So second question, top of your bucket list for 2021? Make it to my sister's wedding in Spain in May. That's the only thing that I would love to achieve, achieve going to, um, yeah, going to Spain and celebrating with her. Oh, fingers crossed for that with this vaccine. That might well be possible. We'll have to see. And finally, what is your favourite food, Nick? If you're on a desert island, what would your favourite food or last meal be? Well, I love chocolate, but a lot of chocolate can get quite sickly. So maybe biscuits, because then you've got slightly more sugar. Um, so I just think I love all biscuits. I love chocolate covered hobnobs. I love the Nens biscuits. Yeah, biscuits and maybe chocolate on top. <laughs> so you've got a bit of a sweet tooth. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you for your time today, Nick. And thank you for all our listeners for tuning in. Our next episode of Dietitian Cafe will be coming soon.